second Peter chapter one, if you'll turn there and um, hopefully, if you haven't already, by the time we uh, finish this series, we'll have read first Peter one, five through seven enough times that uh, that you'll have it memorized. It's uh, good to memorize the word of God and get it into our hearts um, that the Holy Spirit can use those scriptures to remind us of, uh, of things as we go through our daily situations. So in 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, we'll read together verses 5 through 7 out loud. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, add to virtue knowledge, add to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. So uh, I think I said the, the, the very first lesson, which was uh, uh, three lessons ago, we skipped last week with Easter Sunday, so it's been four weeks. Um, but uh, the, the basic kind of outline of Second uh, Peter, um, chapter one, you could say, is our, uh, our preparation for holiness. And then uh, uh, chapter two is our preservation from error. And chapter 3 is our uh, preparation for Christ's return. And so uh, chapter 1 is primarily dedicated to being holy, living holy. Um, we are called to be holy in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. It says, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. We're commanded to be holy. We need to be seeking out um, holiness in our lives. And in this um, Lesson, I, uh, I've titled it Paul's uh, Recipe for Holiness because he says, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge um, and goes on. And like a recipe, when you are uh, following a recipe, it says take this and then add the eggs and then add the flour and add the oil, whatever it is, and voila, we have a cake. And uh, so... Um, you know, Peter, in this uh, specific instance, he says to, uh, in, in a very specific order, he says to add, add to your faith. So faith is the foundation where it all starts. We said that the, the very foundation upon, uh, of holiness is faith. And we looked at saving faith and said it has three elements. It's the facts, the head knowledge. We know that all have sinned. We know that sin must be punished. And we know that Jesus paid the price for that sin. But then the next element of saving faith is personalizing that, taking that head knowledge and moving it into our hearts where we recognize that I have sinned, that I deserve punishment, and that Jesus died for my sins. And then the next element was trusting those facts and taking those facts and accepting them and inviting Christ into our hearts to be our Savior. Then next we discussed the second trait uh, to be added to faith was virtue. We said that virtue was the Greek word erite, which means excellence or moral goodness. It's modesty. Um, and we talked a little bit about that. And then we talked about the virtuous woman and the virtuous man. We said the virtuous woman was gentle. She was mature, strong. She's a teacher and she's productive. And we talked about the virtuous man. We need men of good moral character, especially in today's uh, uh, time that we live in. We're just seeing the complete uh, breakdown of morality in general um, in society. And Satan is attacking hard. Um, to, to, and, and people have just taken this attitude that whatever goes, 
And uh, what I say is I want to do um, is not only okay for me to do, but you only, not only have to accept it, you have to approve of it. And you have to join me um, in celebrating that. And so we've seen this, this breakdown of character. But we see that virtuous men love their wives. They provide for their families. And they raise their children in love. And so we need to be virtuous people. First of all, we need that saving faith. And then the Word of God, uh, um, it says that, that uh, we are to giving all diligence so quickly and he, uh, um, as soon as we can and, and putting all effort into it, then add to that faith virtue. And then we add the third thing was adding to our virtue knowledge. This is the word gnosis. It's used 29 times in the New Testament and 16 of those 29 times to the church at Corinth and uh, uh, talking to them about uh, knowledge. Uh, the, according to Thayer's Greek lexicon, um, knowledge signifies a general intelligence or understanding of the, the general knowledge of Christianity, deeper, more perfect, and enlarged knowledge of Christianity, especially the things that are lawful and unlawful for Christians, and moral wisdom such as seen in right living. We said that knowledge is a divine gift, Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 6, for the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. We said, number two, that we should desire knowledge. Proverbs 18, 15, the heart of the prudent getteth knowledge and the ear of the wise seeketh knowledge. And we said knowledge is precious. Proverbs 8, verse 10, receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. Having the knowledge of God and the understanding of the word of God is a very precious thing. The foundation of holiness is faith. With all diligence, earnestly, hastily, we need to add to our faith virtue. Develop a good moral character. And then add to your virtue knowledge. Learn of God. Learn the word of God. And become wise in the knowledge of God. Today we're going to take a look at the next ingredient in this recipe uh, for holiness. And that is temperance. The root word of temperance is that word temper. What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of a temper? The little two-year-old in the store having a temper tantrum, right? We see them, you know, screaming and yelling and flopping around on the floor. Um, and, uh, and, and we think of, of that as having temper. Uh, you might also think of somebody who we describe as having a bad temper. Oh, he's got a bad temper. Watch out for that guy. Don't, don't mess with him because he has a bad temper. And, and we typically think of uh, the word temper when somebody mentions something about a temper. It's in that kind of a negative light. Um, either somebody throwing a temper tantrum or they get angry easily and they fly off the handle. Um, but temper is also used um, in some other ways. The word temper is used relating to steel or glass. You've heard of tempered steel and tempered glass. Um, though That is made stronger. The tempering process of heating and cooling makes that steel or that glass stronger. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 24, it says, but God hath tempered the body together. He's made us stronger. That tempering is the good temper, and it makes us stronger as a body. The word temper is also used um, to... 
discuss when you reduce something, like when you say, I've, I've tempered my criticism, I've tampered it down, I've lowered it, um, uh, I've reduced that. So um, not a, also not a bad thing if you're reducing something um, that uh, is negative or harmful in your life and you're tempering that, you're, you're drawing it down, um, that, that is also a good thing. And then the word temper is also used rarely, and we don't think of it. And I, as I was uh, researching the definition of temper and temperance, was surprised to find um, the use in cooking um, and uh, how um, it can be used to, to describe a process. And I found it in, in God's word in Exodus chapter 29 and verse 2. And in Exodus 46, 14, it talks about using oil to temper um, uh, the flour in, in Ezekiel. It was talking about oil tempering the flour to moisten it. Um, and, and as part of the cooking process, um, they even use the word temper. Uh, in a cooking process. And if you're, if you're a chef, you probably knew that, but that was a surprise to me. And brother, I believe you use the word temper in pottery work also. Is that correct? And so that's, there's part of the pottery process where uh, tempering is done um, to help form the pottery and, and uh, keep it shape in the firing. So that, that process of making it uh, stronger. The Greek word here uh, for temper in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6 is the word engratia, engratia, I'm probably not pronouncing that right. I was a missions major in, in uh, Bible college, and since I had to minor in another language, I didn't have to take Greek. And uh, so, uh, but uh, uh, I think it's pronounced engratia. Um, Thayer says this is self-control. It is the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, especially his sensual appetites. Let me go over that again because there's a word there that kind of stood out. Self-control, the virtue of one who masters his desires. And we are already have had that step of adding to our faith virtue. And temperance um, is a virtue that we could add um, as part of our growth and our spiritual growth. First of all, I want you to see that temperance is a fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 and 23, where it just, uh, mentions the, fruits of the, Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. So temperance is actually one of the fruits of the Spirit specifically mentioned um, by Paul. And so we should, uh, self-control should be a natural outflow of becoming a Christian and being saved. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit that should be displayed. And as we mature and as we grow in our spiritual life, we should be developing more and more temperance and have more and more self-control and produce more of that fruit as we mature. So temperance is a fruit of the Spirit. Temperance is basically controlling our desires. Now, there are some specific instances in God's Word where um, uh, temperance is, is talked about and controlling our desires and uh, the idea of self-control comes into play. I, as a Sunday school teacher, Brother Bertram as a, as a pastor, as a, as a Bible teacher, every Sunday school teacher here in a classroom 
uh, around this campus this morning. Our responsibility is to teach the Word of God. Amen. Not my opinion. Not what I think somebody in this room needs to hear. But it's the Word of God. And it applies to all of us. Amen. So, I want you to know that's the first thing. And, it, and it's not unusual. You're going to recognize it when we talk about it. But uh, I was convicted. And you may not be. But God used this to speak to me. One of the ways we need to control ourselves is the area of food. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> it's, it's in the Word of God. I have to bring it to you. I, I don't want to skip it. We don't want to skip over the parts we don't like. Um, some churches do that. Proverbs chapter 23, verses 1 and 2. When thou sittest to eat with the ruler, consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. I had to leave my knife at home. <laughs> I am a man given to appetite. Proverbs 25, 16. Hast thou found honey? Eat so much as sufficient for thee, lest thou be filled therewith and vomit it. Gluttony. You know, there's a, the, the Catholic Church talks about the seven deadly sins and, and whatnot. And, and gluttony is one of those, one of those sins that they, they say is, a, you know, just a horrible sin. Um, but the Word of God does say that gluttony is not good. It's not right. And it is sin. And so we need to be able to, to control ourselves. Um, uh, I have a hard time controlling myself at the buffet. And so uh, I need to keep this in mind. Uh, yesterday, man, the, the fellowship that we had for the, for the Birchams and all that food that was out there. And uh, I sat down with my plate and Micah said, well, someone's hungry. <laughs> 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 um, but I, I do. There's a very few things that I like really, really love in life, and, and food is one of them. But, uh, um, you know, but we do, in all seriousness. If the Word of God, if God saw fit to put it in the Bible and preserve that Bible through us under the uh, uh, ministry of the Holy Spirit, then we do need to take it seriously. And, uh, and, and maybe we do need to reevaluate uh, some of our habits when it comes to eating. Our body is the temple of God. We need to take care of it. In, in um, independent fundamental Baptist circles, we don't believe you should smoke. And we say, because your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Your body's the temple of God. You shouldn't bring harmful things into it. Well, we don't often talk about how that applies to what we eat or how we eat. We kind of Sweep that one under the rug. And so I was convicted by that. It's there. I put it out there. When we do control our desires, when we are being temperate, as we are um, practicing temperance in our own lives, this virtue, um, we should be careful how we're eating. A, a, a Christian striving to be holy will be able to control their body and their cravings. Secondly, Romans chapter 13, if you'll turn there with me, Romans chapter 13, we're going to read a few verses here together. Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. Romans 13, 11 through 14 says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. 
The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering or immorality and wantonness or excesses, but uh, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. This was written nearly 2,000 years ago. Uh, the, the dates I've seen for the, for the writing of the book of Romans is around A.D. 55 or 56 by Paul. And so uh, uh, about 1980 years ago, this was written. And Paul um, tells the church at Rome that the day is at hand. And, and we're living in the last days. Well, here we are 2,000 years ago. And... Uh, it says that, that uh, knowing that the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Every day when we wake up again, like Tucker did this morning, we are a day closer to Jesus Christ coming back. And uh, I pray that it's today. Pray that even before we get home uh, this afternoon, that uh, Jesus Christ would come back. But if he doesn't, uh, Paul tells us to, to make not provision to appease the flesh. Don't make any plans on how to appease our flesh. Usually when we think of the word lust, we tend to um, um, start thinking about sexual lust and, and, and those enticing things physically um, uh, in, our, in our bodies. But... Lust can take on many different forms. Uh, Romans chapter 7 verse 18 says, For I know that, is, that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, there's all different kinds of ways that we can be tempted and drawn away uh, by Satan. This is why we die daily to ourselves and we put on Christ. That we may be like him. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Independent fundamental Baptists are often accused of being legalistic. And if there's any question in anybody's mind, Mountain Vista Baptist Church is an independent fundamental Baptist church. And we make no apologies for that. We are independent. We are fundamental, and we are Baptist. Um, but we're also often accused of being legalists. Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, this. you gotta, you got to do this. You can't do that. Um, sometimes the people that are throwing those accusations around are fellow Christians. I, uh, I used to belong to a Bible study group for police officers in Tucson. It was called the Fellowship of Christian Peace Officers, and we had regular Bible studies, and, and we had activities for families and things like that. And the first few times that I came to that Bible study, and I opened up my King James Bible, and they said, Hey, Ed, why don't you read this verse? And I'd read it, and somebody inevitably, the first few times, maybe somebody that wasn't there the month before or something like that, would say, Oh, I used to go to a legalistic church. Because I was using the King James Bible. Um, we get accused of being legalistic. Do you know why we have that reputation of being legalistic? It's because 
we are trying to live holy. As we live holy lives, we put things away from us. We put things apart from us. We listen to a different kind of music. We talk differently than other people. We don't use the same kind of language. We don't participate in some of those activities. The old saying, I don't cuss, I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't go with girls that do. We're trying to live holy. We're trying to be like Christ. We are trying to be conformed to his image, not the image of the world. And by doing that, we've earned the title of being legalistic, when in reality, we're just trying to be more like Christ and to put on a good, um, a, a good representation as ambassadors for Christ of who he is. When you go to the United Nations and they have their meetings at the United Nations building in New York City and you see people from some of these different countries, many of them come in their um, uh, original type of clothing. You look at them and you know that they're from a specific country because of the way they dress for those meetings. We represent Jesus Christ. We represent heaven. And we need to be ambassadors for him. This is not an option. It's not, a, it's not voluntary. It's a command. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 says, For God hath not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. We are called to be holy. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and I have accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, we are to be holy. Turn now to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And we'll read verses 9 through 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9 through 13. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Take your pen right after the colon, after the word you, and put a cross there. Because it continues, such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but Ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful unto me, or for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly, and the belly for meats. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body." Paul here is writing to the church at Corinth, and they had a, a, a real problem with sin in that church, as Brother Bertram mentioned uh, um, in the, the first service. And Paul writes a letter to them to, uh, to straighten them up, to, uh, to call them out on what they were doing. But even Paul says here, um, he says that all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful but I will not be brought under the power of any. We are justified by the Spirit and indwelled by the Spirit of God. This idea of being expedient or profitable. So I can do anything that I want 
And in that whole accusation of being, being accused of being um, uh, legalistic, uh, I can, as a Christian, I can do whatever I want. If I want to go to some place that a Christian not to go, I can. If I want to smoke, I can. Um, chances are, are very slim that I'm going to get struck by lightning and struck dead. I guess it's not outside of the realm of possibility. God has judged sin very swiftly and very seriously in, in, in the Word of God, we see. But I can do those things, but I choose not to. They're not profitable for me. They're not expedient. But more importantly, I'm not going to be brought under the power of those things. I'm going to exhibit self-control in my life. As I seek holiness, I add to my faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance. This is the next step of, ex of, of exhibiting self-control in my life. So I want to do those things that please God, and I don't want to do those things that do not please God. And that's where we go, and we're not brought under the power of those. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, just a couple of pages over, verses 24 through 27. Chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it unto subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. The word castaway means a reprobate. Being... Uh, hypocritical, telling people to do one thing, but I do another. In this, this, this passage here, um, Paul talks about the sporting competitions. And of course, we think of the Greek, um, you know, the beginning of the Olympics in Greece and things like that. And so Paul uses this sense of the sporting competition and, and he mentions that the, the athletes that run the race. Well, the athletes were known to start uh, in their training to abstain from certain activities, from certain foods that would, would not benefit them in their race or their competition. They would ab abstain from um, different things that would cause their bodies to maybe be weak um, and not have as much strength as they would need to win their comp. Uh, their competition. Paul says we are striving. The word striving there is actually the, the, um, the basis for um, our English word agonize. We're agonizing. We're, we're, we're just giving everything we've got and more in this striving for an incorruptible crown. We need to control our bodies so that we would not be a castaway. We would not be unfit or a reprobate. Who should practice temperance? Well, Titus 1, 7, and 8 says, For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. Pastors, brother, are to be temperate. Uh, deacons get the same instructions. Um, it just didn't mention specifically the word temperate, 
when it was describing the deacons, but it was almost word for word the rest of the way, and it says likewise deacons, so deacons. But in Titus 2.2, it says that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience, the aged men. I think a few of us meet that qualification in here this morning. But the aged men means the, the, the men of wisdom, the, 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 the ones that have been around that are experienced. We're the leaders. We are to be examples for those that are um, watching us and around us. We are supposed to have been there, done that, and got the T-shirt. And, and they're watching us to see how they ought to behave, especially in our, uh, in our Christian walk. And so... Uh, whether it's a pastor or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher or a carpenter or a plumber or a police officer or a firefighter, the aged men need to be temperate. Titus 2.2 2 goes on to say, or I'm sorry, 2.3 goes on to say, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Now, we have a lot of aged men in here, but I don't think we have very many aged women. So, uh, but maybe someday you'll, uh, you'll meet that category. But again, the same thing. Um, likewise, the aged women, as they are examples to the younger women to, um, to be holy, how to live a holy life. And then as we wrap up, why should we practice temperance or self-control? Why should we? We remember Jesus' parable of the, uh, the ten virgins, and they have their, their lamps. And the, the parable says that five of those virgins, virgins were wise and five were foolish. Five of them had oil in their lamps. They were ready to go. The other five, their, their lamps were empty. And at midnight, when the call rang out, the bridegroom is on his way. The foolish virgins, virgins were begging the wise virgins, let us have some of your oil. They weren't prepared. And there's, there's other lessons in that parable. But in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is represented, represented many times by oil. And that, that uh, lamp that they have, we are indwelt. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. And we need to be ready to go out and meet the bridegroom when he comes. We need, we need to be in the proper um, place spiritually when Jesus, Jesus Christ comes back to see us. Notice some of these things. So in Romans 13, 11, and 12, it says, Now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Philippians chapter 4, and verse 5. Let your moderation, that's another word for temperance, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 2, The day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Verse 4, But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. And verse 6, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Titus 2, verses 12 and 13, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We must be ready for the return of the bridegroom. We need to be watching. 
All of these things and many of these things that are talking about living right and being um, uh, temperate and having self-control are tied in with descriptions of Jesus Christ coming back. We practice self-control so that we can be prepared when he comes back for us. Temperance deals with what is inside of me. The things that I can control. My lusts, my desires. Those things I need to have self-control over. Next week, we're going to study patience. It says, add to your temperance what's inside of me. Add to your temperance patience. Patience is how we respond to things outside of us that are affecting us. And so we'll look at that next week.